Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Denevsky, and today I spoke with Art Dela Cruz, the CEO of Team Rubicon. Team Rubicon is an international disaster response nonprofit that unites the skills and expertise of military veterans with first responders to rapidly provide relief to communities in need. Founded in 2010 with the goal of quickly responding to large-scale disasters, Team Rubicon has deployed thousands of volunteers across the United States and world to provide relief to communities in need. When disaster strikes, Team Rubicon works hard to help the most vulnerable, and I think you'll be very impressed by their great work. Today I'm speaking with Art De La Cruz, the CEO of Team Rubicon. Art, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. So to start, can you talk a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to Team Rubicon? Yeah, so um, I am currently the CEO of Team Rubicon, and I guess the journey has been uh, a roundabout one. I started, it really began uh, after high school when I joined the military. Um, I went to the United States Naval Academy, uh, graduated from there and ended up doing 22 years of service in the Navy. Um, after my time in the Navy, I retired, went into the corporate world for about two and a half years, um, and something was missing. Uh, and that's something that was missing was service. You know, I'd like to think that I, during my time in the military, I had built up certain muscles uh, and I didn't get to use those muscles anymore in the current roles I was at. And then the opportunity to come aboard Team Rubicon as a chief operating officer presented itself. And it just seemed to be a perfect fit in a couple of different dimensions. You know, I was excited about the mission that Team Rubicon performs to help people after disasters. I was excited about the growth that they were enjoying. And I was excited for the personal opportunities I would have, you know, to grow and experience different things uh, and continue my personal journey in life. And can you talk a little bit about what Team Rubicon's mission is? Yeah, so uh, Team Rubicon is a disaster nonprofit, and that's kind of where our mission is centered. Uh, and our goal is to mobilize military veterans to help communities prepare, respond, and recover from natural disasters and humanitarian crises. Uh, over 11 years, we've grown from eight people to about 150,000 volunteers. And we respond all over the country and the world, again, to natural disasters and humanitarian crises. It must be so crazy to see that sort of growth. I mean, I yeah, what was that like? I imagine it's just so amazing to see. Yeah, it's, it's pretty um, amazing, as you, I think is the right word, to think about the growth. But it's against a backdrop of understanding that regardless of how quickly we grow, there's always more need than we can provide. You know, natural disasters, the impacts of hurricanes and floods and tornadoes, the pandemic, humanitarian crises, all of these things require um, services to be delivered to help people in need. So, you know, in a weird way, as fast as our growth has been, it also seems slow and not enough, if that makes sense given the enormous tasks that, you know, as a society, we have to solve. I'm sure, as I said, it's amazing to see, but there's definitely such a huge need that it makes sense that you can always use more people for sure. 
Yeah, it's it's people and the services you deliver. You know, it's uh, you know, as an example, a hurricane. There's all sorts of different missions that have to be performed to to help a community that's been impacted. We do some of them. Other partners like the Red Cross do some of them. You know, Habitat for Humanity. So all sorts of different players to include government, non government agencies. You know, all these community entities all pitch in in different ways. Uh, when when their when the need presents itself. Yeah, and can you tell us some of the different places I know across the world where Team Rubicon is currently operating? Yeah, so we're actually finding ourselves, you know, pretty busy. A lot of that has been been, been because of natural disasters, uh, and a lot of it has been been because of you know the disaster that is the pandemic that's been around since March of 2020. We've had operations in all 50 states over the course of the last year. Uh, we are present internationally. You know, recently we've been to Mozambique, Papua New Guinea, Mongolia. We're looking at sending teams into Africa. So our response has really been been global and driven by disasters. And we define a disaster as something that overwhelms the local community and their ability to respond to that need. Yeah. And so what does Team Rubicon's initial response to disaster and humanitarian crises typically look like? military veteran-led organization. So a lot of our processes look a lot like what the military did. You know, a disaster will strike. What do we want to do? We want to find out as much as possible about the community that's been hit. We want to understand what the needs are. And then we're going to send teams out on the ground to verify what those needs are, what the scale is, and then we begin to build the teams and mobilize them to present uh, and be a part of that community from, you know, really, they could be a local response, people driving in, it could be people flying in from across the country. Uh, and then we begin to deliver those services to the people knows most in need in the community. You know, the pandemic threw us some different uh, curveballs, you know, we didn't expect in March of 2020, uh, we hadn't planned for a pandemic. You know, we primarily planned for floods and hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, those types of things. And to suddenly understand that the real need was going to be to augment, um, I don't know, food banks because their primary volunteer force was over the age of 65 or the need to decompress medical systems or the need to begin um, to administer vaccinations or testing. All of those things were new to us, but they were, again, things that we had to be able to pivot our people to be able to perform, build the processes to be able to perform, and then get the the funding and the uh, equipment we'd need to get the job done. Yeah, I imagine with the pandemic and everything, it required so much adapting and just creating new methods of addressing these issues. Yeah, I think in every disaster, um, you start with a playbook. You have certain things that you're going to do. You understand you know, what your people are, are capable of doing. And then once a new disaster strikes, you begin to figure out how you can solve that problem. I oftentimes reference, you know, that Apollo 13 moment where, you know, the folks on the ground in Houston had to figure out how to get, you know, the carbon dioxide out of the space capsule. And they threw a bunch of tools on the table and said, okay, how do we accomplish this mission? And I don't think that was any different for us as an organization at that point, uh, that moment in the pandemic where we said, what do we have? We've got incredible people. We've got people that are trained. We've got them across the country. We have, you know, the ability to follow process and procedure. Um, and that was kind of our starting point to figure out how to help people 
um, during those times of need. Yeah, and I know in addition to immediate responding to crises, Team Rubicon also provides long-term rebuilding assistance to communities. So can you discuss how it does this? Yeah, so that really came out of Hurricane Harvey, which hit in 2017. If you can imagine, you know, thousands of homes being flooded, you know, being destroyed because of mold or wind damage uh, and water damage, those homes and the long-term rebuilding process mean getting families back into a safe environment, which means oftentimes starting with gutting out their house. You know, anything that's wet is becoming a, a danger to them because it'll it'll harbor mold, you know, the spores, all of those different contaminants. Um, so you have to, number one, is strip out the inside of the house, make sure it's dry, you know, mitigate for that. And then you have to put the house back together. Um, so that's one dimension of it. I think the other part is also ensuring that what you leave and what you present isn't just good enough for today, that it's going to have resilience for tomorrow. So how do you build the house in a way that, again, will have um, endurance against the next storm, will make it easier if you have to recover a second time? And we've done that successfully in places like Houston, where we've built well over 100 homes. Uh, we're in Louisiana after all the storms that hit last year. Um you know, rebuilding homes in that community um, across Louisiana, which again, three or so storms tracked over them last year. We responded in Puerto Rico where we built hurricane resistant roofs uh, to ensure that families could again stay dry and endure the next storm. And there were over 500 roofs there. And we built about 40 or so in Immokalee, Florida in the panhandle um, after the hurricane. So it is something that is now part and parcel in the services we deliver. We do believe that these people, um, these men, women, and families that are impacted by natural disasters, if we can help them get back into a safe home, we're going to do it. Yeah. And as you mentioned before, there's such a big need. So how do you decide which houses you're going to direct your resources towards? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting process and kind of our starting point happens in planning. You know, one of your earlier questions asked about kind of the military process. We identify areas that are impacted by disaster that are likely to need the most help. And we use something called the Social Vulnerability Index, which uses all of these different components from the census to understand which uh, places by location are likely to be impacted the most. You know, Mother Nature is not, um, they don't pick where they're gonna impact, but when Mother Nature hits, it does impact the poorer communities in a bigger way. You know, they have less resources to be able to respond. They oftentimes don't have the same insurance levels for those storms. Um, So that's where we start. Who needs it the most? You know, if we had to choose between, you know, do we respond and help someone who it's their second summer home, you know, or their winter home, that's probably not the house that we're going to do versus a primary residence. Do we have someone with ample and um, a ton of economic resources? Or do you help someone who doesn't quite have those same resources? And those are all decisions, very intentional, that are designed, as we like to say, really simply, you know, how do we deliver aid to those who need it most? Makes a lot of sense. And can you talk about Team Rubicon's doctrine? Yeah, so I guess our doctrine is is more along the lines of, you know, how do you build processes and procedures and publish them in a manner that allows you to operate uh, and increase the quality of the services you deliver 
increase the quantity, which means you help more people, and then do it faster and for less cost. So we did, uh, you know, a great example, I think, is our COVID operations manual. You know, when COVID hit in March of 2020, part of our doctrine was how do we decide and how do we tell people how to operate safely in that environment? Um, And, you know, to kind of skip to the ending, you know, in 2020, we'd had over 20,000, you know, personnel deploy for a day into the into the arena we had less than double digit um covet infections so this covet operation manuals uh, which we still continue to refine and i think we're up to version 56 in under a year um or in about a year is designed to tell people what ppe they wear you know what surface to wipe down if they're using a vehicle and getting back into it you know at what point in time you know how do you test how do you do everything from this is the lodging arrangements we'll have if we're deploying to a place to ensure that everybody's safe. All of those things come in from doctrine, and we have those for how to respond to hurricanes, disasters, how to get people onto airplanes, how do you mobilize volunteers and identify the people with the right skills, how do you use a saw, how do you drive heavy equipment. All of those things are published. Uh, they're vetted against the the highest standards, industry standards, uh, and it's what allows us to keep our people safe and ensure they have the greatest impact in the communities they're serving. And since you brought up COVID recently, I know that Team Rubicon has been very involved in responding to the pandemic and was the first North American NGO to be verified by the World Health Organization as an American emergency medical team type one unit. So can you just further elaborate on some of the incredible things you all have done in this regard of COVID and the pandemic? Yeah, you know, the pandemic is in of itself a disaster. It's unique in that it's a natural disaster. You know, frankly, it's a global disaster. There's nobody in the world who hasn't been impacted. Um, So, you know, we responded where there was need. We did, you know, real grassroots efforts, something as simple at the beginning of the pandemic as neighbors helping neighbors. How do you activate people across the country to check in on their neighbor, be it an elderly person who can't get their delivery of their food or prescriptions, you know, so active, active on a local level. I talked about the food banks. We delivered over 50 million pounds of food. You know, which is simply amazing across most of the states in the country. And we partnered with, you know, Feeding America and other food banks to make that happen. We set up testing sites uh, to ensure that people could get tested for vaccinations. And it wasn't that you were doing the testing. It was you were setting up the parking lot. You were setting up the cones. You were making sure that the community knew where they were um, doing all of those um, different things. We acted more um, to your question from a medical perspective. You know, we've held that uh, EMT type one uh, qualification from the World Health Organization for some time. Um, And we'd acted with that uh, before the pandemic in places like Mozambique. But once it hit, we found those medical services were critical, not just around the world, but also domestically. We helped the Navajo Nation by decompressing their medical systems. We set up and ran um, overflow uh, hospital systems in Santa Santa Clara, you know, with an expectation that there would be a big um, wave there. Uh, we're continuing. We're actually going back to the Navajo Nation to help help with their uh, medical systems. Um, so we've done that. In addition, we've gone to Papua New Guinea. We've gone to uh, Mongolia to help train, you know, other medical professionals. And we understand that with uh, COVID acting globally, that we'll continue to have to 
to use those skills uh, around the world. Yeah, and even though I know it's not the primary goal of Team Rubicon, you also do such a great job of helping veterans adjust to life after the military. And so how does Team Rubicon help these veterans who volunteer to help others? Yeah, it's a really um, interesting relationship, right? The, we like to say that veterans aren't the object of our mission. You know, we don't exist to help veterans. Veterans are the agent of our mission. And one of the things that's really neat about, you know, military veterans is there's all sorts of different skill sets they can get from the military. And there are all sorts of different skills that everyone has. I like to think that, you know, don't think of a military veteran as someone who served in the military. Think of them as someone who graduated from a very unique school. They've had experiences, they've had education, they've had training, you know, so how do you begin to use those again after disaster? You know, the nation trains them, they put on the, the uniform uh, and then they leave and we ask nothing of them. So there are 18 million veterans across the United States. We find and activate those military veterans who want to flex those muscles and serve again. We like to say they're built to serve. We know from surveys that they're more civically inclined. They're more likely to engage in philanthropy, all of these different things. For us, it's how do you give them an experience again where they can flex those muscles of leadership, where they can operate in ambiguous situations like you see after a major disaster and deliver incredible services for communities that need them. Um, and in doing so, you know, they're giving of their time, they're giving of their energy, they're giving of their, um, you know, very being. And in return, they get to reconnect with the community. They're side by side with other veterans and civilians who join the team. They have this identity that they're used to having, you know, in their military uniform. But instead, it's our gray shirt, which is kind of our uniform as, uh, as Team Rubicon volunteers. Um, and then the mission, right? Community identity and, and mission uh, it's clear cut, you know, again, to help people on their worst day is a really, really simple uh, but important um, call to answer. Yeah, I think just the idea of using veterans in this way, it's so simple in a way, but it's also really just so smart and creative because there's this huge need and these veterans are so skilled in filling these kinds of needs. So I think that's something that makes what you all do so special for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great give and get, right? The military veterans give us their time. And our hope is because they had a fantastic experience, because they know that they've helped someone, you know, on a terrible day, they again have this intrinsic feeling of fulfillment and service, I think is so valuable. Yeah. And do you have any specific personal experiences that you can discuss about how Team Rubicon has positively impacted a particular person or community? Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, people ask me that often, and it's what I've found, and this is my approaching my sixth year at Team Rubicon, is it's no longer a narrative of a single person. It's kind of this blended storybook where they're in clumps, you know, to, to sit there and welcome a family home after they've been displaced for, you know, now four years, some of the folks that were, were putting back into homes in uh, Harvey is amazing to help muck out a house after a flood when someone is literally going, I don't know what to do to be able to show up, to be able to go, this is what we're going to do. So tomorrow's a little bit better for you to see the impact of vaccinations. You know, we've delivered 1.6 million 
vaccinations um, since uh, January 20th or since December, really, when vaccines um, started becoming available, which is simply amazing because that isn't just about the person who's vaccinated. It's about everyone they come into contact with. Um, so, I, you know, I no longer see these uh, specific instances, but I often see the, you know, it's really kind of two big clumps. It's the people we help across those different dimensions I just articulated. And then it's also the people who do the helping. Yeah. I mean, to sit there and, and find that this narrative, these incredible people who pack up their lives, you know, they might use a week of their vacation. And instead of going on vacation with their family, they say, I'm going to use a week of my vacation. I'm going to donate a week of my time to help people that have no other options. Those are the kinds of things that you, you begin to see. And you, you realize how incredible, how symbiotic and how amazing it is that, uh, you know, people can help people in a time of need. Yeah. And it sounds like there's just this sort of snowball effect where when one individual helps another, it just affects so many other people and builds on it. So I think that's really a great aspect too. Yeah. I think a, I think a snowball is a good analogy, right? And it's, um, you know, helping people is contagious done properly, right? It's maybe that's not the right, right, right terminology to use in a pandemic, <laughs> but um, there is something incredibly gratifying about helping your neighbor. You know, we often say that, you know, if people treated each other every day like they do the day after a disaster, you know, this would be an amazing place. You know, the world would be so much better because it's always this idea that this isn't about me. This is about the we. How can I help? You know, what can I do? How can I move the community and society forward in a productive and uh, amazing way? And it takes you know, individual acts done over and over and over in huge quantities and, and amazing things begin to happen. Yeah. That's your gigantic snowball. Yeah. And how can people who are interested best get involved? Yeah, you know, we, we um, would ask that you just, just log into our website, uh, www.teamrubiconusa.org. If you're a military veteran in particular, we'd love to have you volunteer you know, just sign up. Uh, I don't care if I have to ask you 30 or 40 times, you know, if you say yes once, it's worth it to me. So I'd encourage you to register. And if you're a civilian, you know, um, we'd encourage you as well to take a look and see if this is an organization that fits for you to either donate to or become a volunteer for. We, again, are inclusive. We believe that everyone brings a special gift. And we certainly believe that there's plenty of work that needs to be done around the world. And lastly, is there anything you'd like to add about Team Rubicon's work or mission or anything else? No, I just, uh, you know, I thank you for the time and I thank you for being an advocate and a platform for people, you know, understanding what Team Rubicon does. I do believe we're an incredible organization and obviously bring unique skill sets. I think it's also important to understand, you know, we are just one player uh, on the field when it's game day after a disaster or humanitarian crisis. There are so many other organizations out there and we work really, really closely with each of them. It's not a competition. It's a collaboration uh, in these times of need. Yeah, well, thank you again so much for speaking with me. I think what you all do is so amazing. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for helping Team Rubicon's story get out there.